Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Black Fashion History. And you all already know the deal. We talk about all of the amazing things that Black people all around the world have done for the fashion industry, past and present. And of course, I'm your host, Taniqua Russ. And I just have one question for you guys How are you enjoying this quarantine life, this social distancing thing? Because I am over it. Now, I consider myself an introvert, and I typically enjoy being home by myself, watching TV, doing a little skincare routine, all of that stuff. But there is something different about not being able to leave the house because you might get sick. Anyway, because I've been home all day, every single day, just like many of you all, it's kind of inspired to go back to the roots of this podcast. And so I'm here with a solo episode. Y'all remember when I used to give y'all those quick 15 minute breakdowns of somebody historical in the fashion industry? Well, I'm doing one of those again today. At the beginning of every episode, I always share the mission and vision of this podcast, which is to chronicle and celebrate the contributions of black people all around the world to the fashion industry. I put a special emphasis on all around the world to highlight all people of the African diaspora and not just focus on the West. By West, I mean the contributions of Black people in America to fashion. I work to uncover stories of Black people around the world in fashion. It's important to note that we are global. We have always been global and we have been globally contributing. In addition to giving a global perspective on fashion history, it is also important to me to celebrate and highlight contributions of those specifically on the continent of Africa. I know that just like our stories in the States aren't being shared and celebrated like they ought to be, The stories of Africa certainly isn't being shared accurately and people aren't being celebrated for all they've contributed. And then on top of that, as a Liberian, it's important to me that um, special attention is always given to the continent because Africa is often misrepresented or ignored. So what that means for us today is that I'm going to be sharing the story of Victoria Fuloshade Thomas Fon, who is honored as being the first Nigerian fashion designer and the first person to own a boutique in Nigeria. And I love her story, not just because she's a famous fashion first and she is one of the mothers um, or predecessors of modern African fashion, But because for her, fashion was not just a tool for creativity, it was a tool to empower and develop her country and to take a stand politically during a time where Nigeria was just recently being free from the shackles of colonialism. And she's an example of a common string that we see when we talk about these historical fashion figures. And that's the fact that Black people often use their art and creative skills to empower change to inspire change in their community and not just because they want to but because they have to we don't have the luxury of just being ourselves and just doing our art because oppressive systems don't leave you alone 
just because you do music or just because you do fashion or just because you want to mind your business, it often bleeds into every area of our life. Not often, it bleeds into every area of our lives. And so, you know, we have to take a stand and we have to do something. And you see time and time again, all of these amazing people, fashion in particular, because that's what this podcast is about that come before us take a stand using their work, whether it's demanding that their names be put on credits or saying that, you know, I belong here, so I'm not going to walk through the colored entrance. I'm not going to go through the back door. If you guys want me to make this dress, if you want to use my skill, you're going to treat me like an equal. Or if it's creating organizations and forums for other people to be able to demand their due respect. These people use their work to fight oppression, even if that oppression manifests itself through the way we start to perceive ourselves and Mrs. Folo Sade isn't any different and you'll find that out in just a moment so you want to start a podcast right I know it can seem really daunting and complicated to have to think through how to record it or how to edit it and even how to upload it but don't worry about any of that I'm about to give you the only tool you need to create an A1 top of the line podcast If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start making money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, to get started today. Now, let's get back into our content. Victoria Foloshade Thomas Pham was born as one of nine children in Lagos, Nigeria. In the 1950s, Sade traveled to London as part of her provisional admission at St. Mary's Hospital. She initially went to study nursing. However, during her first outing in the new city, she saw models and mannequins in fashionable clothes and accessories, and it was at that moment that she fell in love. She actually said in a 2017 interview, right there and then I made up my mind to do fashion. So with that determination in mind, she worked during the day and studied at night to achieve her national diploma, which led her to gaining admissions and enrolling in St. Martin's College of Arts to study fashion art. While she was in school studying fashion art, she also worked as a dishwasher, a waitress, and did a variety of other odd jobs to put her through the school. And later, she got a job with Stenoff & Sons, which was a reputable couturier in London, and it provided couture furs to the wealthy. She started off at Stenoff & Sons as a tea girl, which was basically the person to get the refreshments. And from there, she graduated to stitching hemlines and sewing buttonholes on the furs. During her time at the couturier, she She learned how to run a successful fashion business, which would definitely come in handy later on in her life. Now, at the same time, while she was taking classes and working at the couture house, she was also modeling. So your girl was basically doing it all, modeling, working to put herself through school, actually studying for school, and then, you know, learning how to run a successful fashion business. All the while, she knew that she wanted to take her talents back to her home and develop her country. Speaking of fashion, she said, I realized it was all I wanted to do and was working towards coming home to show all that I had learned and create the type of garment factories I was exposed to, to train people and create jobs. 
In July of 1960, she returned home to Nigeria, and later that year, October 1st to be exact, Nigeria regained its independence from British rule. Now, with Nigeria in a place of a newfound sense of political freedom, Shade was really looking forward to using fashion to do some real change. She stated, personally, my plan when I came back with fashion in 1960 was to provide jobs for people and tackle unemployment because I lived with it before I left. I didn't do fashion just for fancy or glamour. She opened her first shop at Yaba Industrial Estate and named it Maison Chade, making her Nigeria's first fashion designer and the first to own a fashion boutique in the country. She made the space into a large factory with different sewing machines and an office and a dressing room. Later, she opened two more shops at the ground floor of Federal Palace Hotel, which is in Lagos, and named it Sade's Boutique. Her shops were the first of its kind in Nigeria, so everyone was amazed and came from different parts of the country to buy bulk fashion material from her, buy fabric from her, and of course, buy ready-to-wear clothing. Her trademark was using traditional fabrics to create diverse styles, very similar to what we're seeing with African fabrics and Ankara prints today. So think of brands like Grass Fields, Ufure, Swakoko Betty, where they use modern silhouettes but create them out of African fabrics. She is the originator of many styles that we see today when we think about Ankara wear or I'd even go as far as to say resort wear. And let me tell you why. She created the boo-boo, which is a feminized and modern, and when I say modern, I mean 1960s, because that's when she created this, but a modern feminized style of a traditional garment worn by many West African men. And I will put up pictures so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. She's also known for creating these beautiful caftans and taking accessories such as bags, belts, shoes, all of those kinds of things and using African fabrics to create them. She is also the innovative mind behind the pre-tied head wraps. So what she did was she took the traditional gele that I'm sure many of you have seen at African weddings or in pictures. She took that, which is usually tied by somebody in elaborate designs, and she turned that into something that's pre-tied, where you basically just put it on your head like a hat. And I know my mom is eternally thankful for this creation because she has zero patience to sit down underneath somebody to tie her hair for a special occasion. For Sade, it wasn't just about creating these beautiful pieces out of traditional fabric, but it really was about promoting African culture, African history, uh, and African representation and pushing that on the masses. No, she was working in the 1960s in Nigeria and they had just recently gained their independence then if you think about um, just African nations in general and the toll that colonization had taken on the country it was not unheard of to see a lot of the population largely influenced by western culture and western dress and her goal was really to stop the importing of fashion goods and stop you know the country and people from perceiving Western representations of fashion and just of life as better and to really get back to the roots of Nigerian culture and African culture and embracing our own fabrics, embracing our styles and allowing other countries to buy into that. You know, why should Africans always be subjected to that of their colonizers? Why can't Europeans buy into what we have? And that was her whole goal. These are her words exactly from a 2000 interview. 
My fashion art was a sort of national orientation to make people realize that we have to develop our own fabric. If the Western people can bring us in their own fashion and we accepted it, we should be able to make them accept ours. I also love Western things, but we have to develop our own culture and our things just as Western people did. So for her, it was about owning our culture and sharing our culture and making us the standard, not the West. In 1989, she established the Fashion Designers Association of Nigeria, the only recognized professional organization in the country promoting, marketing, and developing Nigerian art and fashion culture. She also wrote a book about her life and work in fashion, and it's called The Faces of She. However, I cannot find that book anywhere. I looked all up and down the internet. I looked on Google, Amazon, eBay, and I couldn't find anything. The closest thing I could find was that it was at a library in Indiana. So if any of you out there know where I can find the book, The Faces of She, please DM me because I want to read it. And once I get my hands on it, I will definitely do an updated episode because I'm sure there's so much more to her life that I have not been able to find yet that she uncovered in that book. All in all, Victoria Foloshade Thomas Fom was not just a mother of African fashion, but she was also a mother of using fashion to empower people. So before there were Toms and before there were all of these other ethical fashion brands that focus on developing nations and, you know, traditional craftsmanship and all of that stuff, there was a Shade's boutique. She actually studied fashion with the intent to empower her people and to change minds and perspectives and to create essentially a cultural revolution in the country which is alive and present around the world today. And that's it guys. This week was a short and sweet episode, but I hope you learned a lot. Make sure to follow Black Fashion History Podcast on Instagram to see pictures of everything that I talked about. I am practicing social distancing as per the CDC's notes. So I have more than enough time to update the Instagram page with all of the pictures that I keep promising you all in every single episode. So don't worry, it will be there. And as always, tune in again next week to hear another riveting black fashion history story. Oh, and please, please, please stay safe, stay healthy. Make sure to watch out for all of the elders in your communities and in your families. Make sure that they're being safe and healthy and staying inside. All right, bye-bye.